Welcome to Beyond the Expert, a production of Gorecom, in which we speak with small cap market investors and experts about what they're seeing in the markets. This is our Thanksgiving edition, and for the first time ever, we're in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Today, we welcome venture capitalist Lee Hughes. He's been on before and backed by popular demand. Why is that? Whereas our popular product, Beyond Product, Beyond the Press Release tells the stories from the side of the issuers, the small cap companies. Beyond the Expert tells the stories from the perspective of the experts on these topics. And they're a lot more cutthroat because it's their money on the line. And given his track record of success, we can't think of anyone better to keep having on the show than Lee Hughes. He's a venture capitalist who I've personally watched conduct incredible due diligence. I mean, some of the best stories out there that everyone's celebrating today Lee found 18 and 24 months ago when they're orphaned and ignored. Um, so that's due to his incredible due diligence to discover and invest in these small cap companies that have generated some pretty incredible uh, returns. He's so good at what he does that many global private equity funds and institutions not only take his call and try getting that done, ask any small cap CEO how difficult that is, they often follow him into investments that he chooses to make uh, and moreover, he serves as an advisor to several small cap companies. So if you ever wanted to truly learn about how to become a great small cap investor, it doesn't get much better than this. Lee, welcome back, my friend. Happy Thanksgiving, even though you're an Australian. Yeah, no, to you too, George, and everyone watching. Hey, so today the big topic, but we're not going to get to it right away. The big topic is going to be plant-based foods, right? And whether that's a fad or a trend or a paradigm shift. But before we get there, let's talk broad market firstly a little bit because people love your views. Last time we spoke, it was right when investor season began. We had a terrible small cap summer for multiple reasons. We're now in the small cap fall. How much better are things going than the summer? And is this as you expected? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I think the summer was a bit more of like a death by a thousand cuts for a lot of the small cap companies out there. But I think we reiterated last time we spoke that, you know, some of these companies need to also be able to have the ability to take a break and recharge the batteries internally and, and work on their businesses while the investor market goes away and sits in their cabin in, in Canada or, or in the US and actually gets a break as well. So I don't think that was a true reflection of yeah. where the market is going now that investor season or, or, or it's all back, back on. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of traded sideways a little bit, you know, as we've just sort of got going. But if you have a look, even last week, you know, there was closing of significant financings for a lot of the small cap investors. So, you know, to think we're two or three weeks into the, to the hot period and that taking place is, I think it's a pretty good reflection of, of what we're going to see between here and Christmas. Um, but look, we, I mean- We've seen some massive moves yeah. in the visibility. VSBY and the CSE, which traded yeah. in the low 40s, hit a, a dollar 20 this week. Yeah. Augmented reality, uh, imagine AR that got beat up with some around eight cents, close at 15 and a half, hit a high of 16. We're seeing that a lot. It seems to me, and you tell me what you think, investors are saying, holy moly, stuff got really cheap for no good reason in August. Maybe we should get back into some of these leading tech names. Is that just isolated to a Gorecom client? You're saying that a little more across the board. No, I think it's across the board um, and you, you raise a good point there. I think August, it's normally, you know, discount 
shopping down aisle one um, and it, it was more than just a discount. I think it was a Black Friday. It was uh, it was pretty it was pretty interesting to see some of these names really drop to you know significant lows. But like I said, it was when I say death by a thousand cuts. A lot of it was low volume um, over just you know a three or four months summer. Um, now we're sort of seeing that I guess the businesses are able to come and re, re, uh, represent themselves to the marketplace of what they're going to see. What, what investors are going to see their businesses look like in 2022 and beyond. Uh, and, and like I said to you before, George, like I think a pretty good reflection of, of whether the market is going to continue to, uh, to do well, hopefully for all the small cap investors out there is, you know, the, the investment or the investment banking community or the banking community is engaged because there's financings being closed uh, every day. So uh, if, if that stops, then I think we'd be a little bit worried about what the future lies in small caps for Q4 and into 2022, but it's pretty hard to see that that's not going to, um, they're not going to continue to grow and, and, and be a good bet for some of us investors seeing what's taking place right now. So so two trends I want to ask you about, and then we're going to hop on to plant-based foods. First of all, small cap in general between now and April, May. What's the trend? What's, do you think we're going to have another great Q4, Q1, Q2 like we did last year? Or do you just, do you see it flat? Do you see it somewhere in between? What do you think that, what do you think that's going to look like in the next couple of quarters? Yeah, I, th I think it's going to probably, I mean, again, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I kind of think that it will probably continue to be a little bit frothy and, and maybe trade sideways a little bit. Um, you know, sure, there's some, there's always in Canada, there's always the flavor of the month or the flavor of the quarter when it comes to the, a particular category or whatnot. Um, maybe that's the NFT market. Maybe it continues to be the biotech market or fintech. Um, I, I don't, I'm not really too sure, George, but I mean, the way I sort of have played it my own, my own through my own investing style is, um, you know, I'm obviously more of a longer term portfolio player personally um i'd like to probably take control of a lot of my positions um, early early in q4 so like I've, I've already sort of got a lot of them set and, and are prepared to sort of watch to see how they perform over the next couple of months um but you know i guess there's also always that elephant in the room where i find when you're in canada and it's it's what's going on down in our with our neighbors down in the u.s and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about this infrastructure bill and uh, whether they're going to increase the, the debt ceiling and all those types of things. I, I guess you've got to watch that pretty carefully. Um, you think that has an impact on small cap stuff? You think that, um, I mean, I know, it's sent, I know it creates short-term market gyrations. You get the, you, you got the Dow and the S&P sell off for four or five days and, you know, things like that. But do you think that that comes all the way down to small caps or do you have to have a bigger macro event for it to impact small caps? Yeah, I think the bigger macro event always, you know, takes its toll on, 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 on everything if that happens. But, um, you know, you, you're, probably, you're probably right there too. Does it really impact small cap, the small cap world here in Canada? Uh, again, I mean... I, I look at I look at it a little bit more granularly, but and I like to sort of see if, if it's going how it's going to impact my portfolio, not just like in the next three months, but say eighteen to twenty four months out. So I look at it a little bit differently. But when you start to, I guess what I find is a little bit different now when they're starting to talk about like 
the property market and how things are going to start to impact um, interest rates or you know the inflationary metrics, I think that starts to impact on small caps because that typically impacts all of us on a day to day, right? In terms of our spending and and what we're going yeah. to in terms of our mortgages and how is the property market going to look? Are we over leveraged? Um, so yeah, I mean it's interesting times. Who would have thought that over the last 18 months, for example, we'd see the growth that we've seen, right? So I don't know. I don't know if if you can if you can say let's look at history and and see if it, if there's a pattern there because I don't think we've we've seen anything like this in our lifetime, right? With this pandemic and 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 some of the opportunities that have that have been put in front of us as investors. I'm wondering if one of the impacts, and we won't get too far off because we're going to plant-based foods now, but I think one of the impacts that the, the pandemic had is it, a lot of people think, oh, because investors stayed home, they had more time to look at the stock market. And that's why I saw a lot more retail participation in traditional capital markets like the small cap and even the non-traditional assets like NFTs and crypto, right? But I think the pandemic, I, I think that's too easy of an answer. I think the real answer is people realize their vulnerability and that their job and their future isn't necessarily set because they've only got one way of most people just have a job and that's their only form of income. And I think people have woken up to the fact that I better be participating. I better find a way to get my money to work for me uh, so that I'm not this vulnerable again. That, that's what I think has happened. So I'm expecting a lot more to come out of the small cap markets uh, in the next, in the next, at least for between now and May. Again, yeah. I think people are going to yeah. be really sick. So on that note, plant-based foods. Look, uh, it was tongue-in-cheek, but the fact of the matter is I'm holding up a, you know, traditional piece of turkey, right? Uh, because um, I'm Greek, I'm a meat eater. Uh, but having said that, I've really started to experiment with plant-based foods, and I'm personally loving it. What are your views on two constituents? First, the consumer and then investors. Let's talk about consumer. Is plant-based a fad or is that a trend that's got staying power? Uh, I believe it's a trend that's got staying power for sure. For sure. Um, have a look at how well Beyond Meat has done. I mean, how can you ignore, how can you ignore a marketplace that's been created by a disruptor like Beyond Meat? I think the tick is BYND. Yep. Um, look at, just look at what's happened to the shelves or the aisles in supermarkets now when you start to think about plant-based foods or plant-based, well, just plant-based foods in particular. The category is growing exponentially in front of our eyes every time we walk down the aisles at a supermarket. Um, people are obviously becoming a lot more health conscious. There's a lot more... Um, content out there about sustainability uh, and you know how, how the ecosystem can still survive without us obviously being consumers of, of, of meat based products uh, I don't I don't know whether that has a, an impact I mean I'm here in Vancouver and it seems like every second person is either a, a vegan or wanting to move towards that um, which okay, I mean I don't discriminate at all, but um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 not just a fad. I think that I think that fad stage is over. And if you have a look at now the names that exist in the US and in in Canada of 
plant-based names, it's growing and growing and growing. It's, it's, a, it's a real category now. Um, you can see that bankers are getting involved and, you know, they're not just taking swings on Loblaws or, or any of the big sort of supermarket chains. They're, they're getting involved with, with brands that exist within. So I, I, I personally see it as a, as a real opportunity for the marketplace. And are you setting up your portfolio? And we know that you take a longer term view, which, by the way, I think that's what everybody should do in small cap, because investing in small cap is investing like is like investing in startups in Silicon Valley back in the 70s and 80s. You don't invest in companies like that for the short term. You invest them for the paradigm shifting, absolute massive monster return. So uh, how are you looking at setting up your portfolio portfolio when it comes to setting up when it comes to allocating the plant based food? How much of your portfolio do you think you want to eventually be at for plant-based and what kind of timeline uh, are you, are you going to give it? So I'm a really big fan of consumer product goods, CPG as we call it in Australia, actually. Um, I, I, I just, I, I've had a lot, quite a lot of exposure to that, um, to that industry over a period of time working with, with brands that exist in some of the big, you know, chains down in Australia. We've got, Woolworths, I think, which is the safe way here of, of Canada. And we've got Tesco and Audi and, and all of these sort of big retail chains. Um, so I'm, I'm a really big fan. I understand the, what it takes to, to market and, and obviously capture a, a market share in, 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 in that world. And it's, it's not easy. It takes time. So, you know, I, I would, I've invested, um, in a couple of the names in Canada here, um, some that are not just brand-based, product-based, but that also have brick-and-mortar retail shop front. So they're able to obviously then disseminate their brands or their products or their Control skewed. their own destiny a little bit more than just relying on distribution. Yeah, exactly. Um, making sure that they've also got not just, you know, brick-and-mortar walk-in, but they've got online presence as well. So it increases their opportunity to to get their brands out into the into the marketplace i guess with covid we've we've all been sort of withheld from shopping in our normal in our normal shopping environment so i think um we've seen a lot of these um retail shop fronts that have you know instacart and 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 all these other um, online shopping models um do well because they've had both Right. Obviously, if we, we, we haven't been able to go into a, short, uh, a shop front, but we've been able to order our food online and that's, that's great. So I, I, I've sort of looked at a couple of names, but I'm, I'm looking at these names, not just as are they a, a product or a skew, but they've got a little bit more to their meat on the bone, uh, their business model, as they say. That, that's kind of how I'm looking at it at the moment. Um, certainly not looking at it from a, a short-term perspective. I think if you really want to, you know, swing and, and hit one that's got a little bit more of a home run, then you've got to give it some time. Um, you know, it's a new category to, to, to go and compete against a Beyond Meat, for example, or I think it's Impossible Foods. You know, these guys have got serious war chests, you know, they've, they've sort of come first. They've been able to capture quite a lot of the, of the category. So some of these new guys coming into the marketplace um, are going to just need time to be able to penetrate and capture some of that market share. Um, but time is on their side, right? Because I've got the number here, the plant-based food market is expected to grow to 74 billion by 2027. So giving them that time is actually okay because 
they're, they're, they're having time, they're, they're getting time to grow into a massive market. Uh, what, 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 there are three names we want to talk about today. Um, organic Garage is one, PlantX is another, and Bush Foods is another. And, okay. and, and they all kind of touch on your thesis there. Talk to us about Organic Garage. What is the, what do you like about Organic Garage? Yeah, the thing I liked about Organic, well, the thing I like about Organic Garage is they've really got um, control of their um, their costing model. Their operational model is is as tight as you could and as sound as it can be. Um, you know, the 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 executives or the founders of that business have generational. Um, uh, they've they've been in it for generations, um, so they know they really know the organic uh, way. Um, they've been able to really, if you go and have a look in some, inside some of their stores, you know, they've really been able to optimize their, their shelf, uh, their floor. There's not too much floor space there unused, which I like. Um, they've been able to get rid of their centralized uh, distribution uh, center to save a million dollars a year onto their bottom line. So like, like I said, the operators really know how to, They've calibrated their business over so long. That what's really their specialty? That. What's their what's their what's their number one thing that people investors should be focusing on? Well, I mean, I I kind of call them the Whole Foods light. So Whole Foods is is obviously very big with thousands, tens of thousands of SKUs, big storefronts. Um, you know, lots of staff. Uh, their basket sizes are big. Um, I guess uh, with with Organic Garage. If you think about the Whole Foods line, I think they run off about eight, eight to 9,000 products, which is a lot less than Whole Foods. But um, still a hell of a lot of products. It's still a hell of a lot of products, but um, they're, just, they're just a bit more of a, of a condensed version. They've, they're, they're in ideal prime locations in, in Ontario. And I know that they've got the, um, the vision to grow that. Um, but they just make their decisions with a little bit more thought and that's i think because they have to because they're smaller and they're competing against some of these you know the big boys out there um i guess the, the other reason why i really liked organic garage is if you think about I think their market caps i don't know maybe 30 million right now and and, and you know they're, they're trading at one times revenue it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy yeah let's not forget about those numbers because that's important by the way what's your stocks in malik for everybody home og on the venture all right, original, um, gangst original gangsters. That's it, that's it. The other thing that Organic Garage has, which is the, this is the opportunity that I think is, is um, the big one, is they've launched a brand called The Future of Cheese. And the cheese fromage, or the, 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 the main guy behind that is a guy by the name of Afram Christine. And I know in Canada, a lot of Canadians would know who he is, but he's... Um, He's one of the top chefs. So when you think about cheese and you think about chefs, he's, he's the guy from formulation to, to whatnot. I think he's been on MasterChef and on all these programs. Anyway, he's, um, he's come up with uh, a quality of product that, and I've, I've had the opportunity to taste it, which is really, really quite uh, phenomenal. They've got a brie and a butter line that they've just put out, not on the shelves yet, but soon to be. And the brie is something like no other um, plant-based 
cheese that I've tasted. Um, I've, tr I've tasted a lot of these brands and products. It's a huge category. It's a yeah, massive category. Just, they just haven't got, a lot of these brands just haven't got formulation right. And I'm, it, it, you know, taste is everything. <laughs> you can say what you want, but at the end of the day, if, if, if it doesn't taste good, you're not going to go and buy it again. It doesn't matter what the package looks like. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I know from his relationships that he has in the restaurant business and, and for sure with some of these big box, you know, retail uh, outfits as well in, in food, I'm sure that if they get that right, then they're going to see a really big opportunity for distribution across multiple different um, demographics and, and geographic locations as well. I don't think it's out of the equation for them to think about Canada, but then think about the US and into Europe as well. So look, I really like Organic Garage. It's got both. It's got, it's got the brand, it's got the product, right? Which it owns because it owns Future of Cheese 100%. And then it's got its retail grocery outfit too. So you can kind of swing both ways with this one. And, and, and I think once they've got the actual sales of, of the future of cheese sorted out and distributed across where they want to get it to. I think you're going to see the numbers really hit the bottom line. And I think it'll just be a matter of time until they start to get a little bit more love. I think when I first saw them, they were a 6 million market cap in December last year or something and trading at seven or eight cents. It just didn't make sense. I actually thought that there was a, I actually thought that there was an error in their, in their financials and, and rang the company, which is the first time I've ever done that just to see if I was reading it right. But um, I was certainly reading it right. I just don't think the marketplace was, was, had, had sort of heard of them or, or really understood their model. So, you know, I think they've got a, pretty, they've got a very good uh, future ahead of them. And that's a great reminder to everybody at home that uh, Warren Buffett created the biggest capital markets empire in the world in history by being early and finding un, uh, uh, undervalued stories. So... If you're first and you find undervalued, that doesn't mean it's uh, that doesn't mean you should wait to pull the trigger and and you didn't wait. So that's Organic Garage. Uh, another company I want to talk. Another two companies I want to talk about. First is PlantX. Uh, Vega V E G A is a stock symbol. I mean, talk about unbelievable growth, Lee. For those who don't know, first of all, they're they're not just plant based foods. They're plant based everything. Plant based lifestyle. Plant based plants. Believe it or not. Um, uh, and they're, and they're omni-channel. They, this is what I like. They've got the, they've got the real world. Like you said, they've got their own locations. They've got e-commerce, uh, and they've even got distribution with partners. So let me give you some numbers here. This is why I love, this is why I love the plant-based foods industry. Last year, you know, around March, right around the time, you know, we got hit by COVID, but when they were starting out, they basically had revenue of, you know, nothing. By April of this year, they were over $2 million a month. All right. Unbelievable growth. And they, they, they done that with some acquisitions, brought some, some great partnerships. They're in Walmart now. They're in Hudson's Bay now. Uh, they've, got, they've got brand ambassadors like Serena Williams, who we all know, Justin Fields, uh, quarterback of the Chicago Bears. And they just announced that they're uplisting to, to the TSX. And yet still a company that took a really big hit in the summertime was sitting in the low 20s and, in, and is now sitting in the low 40s. Uh, but that's an example of a story, rightly, where people uh, were paying too much attention, too much attention to stock price, not realizing here's a company doing two million dollars a month right now and growing at astronom astronomical rate. Crazy, um, you know, uh, George. There's a, there's a statistic. So I was just looking whilst you were talking there because I read a really interesting article um, 
you know, it says why the shift towards meatless. And it said that uh, COVID-19 may accelerate the shift towards meatless alternatives because, and a big part of that was because of how damaged the supply chain, global supply chain has been, yeah. has been like with logistics and moving stuff around. Um, you know, like the sustainable fish farming sector, right? Norway is the hub for that in terms of listing, listing businesses and investments and, 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 and injection of capital into that environment. Well, I, I'm very familiar with that space over there. And most countries now are having to take control of their own supply and thinking about whether they actually set up operations within their own countries because they just can't rely on the, if anything like this happens again, actually the supply problem. So I think the, in America, just since COVID, plant-based meat consumption has grown by 264%, which yeah, is un un unbelievable. Because you think about, and I'm just reading again, I think the, the, the plant or the, the meat-based market in the US is worth, could be worth, the global meat market, sorry, could be worth 2.7 trillion by 2040. It's a lot of money. But when you think about how much that plant-based meat market could become if you start to see some of these figures continue to rise like this, because people are le legitimately concerned about um, and aware now of the supply problem with these businesses, then they've got no choice but to start to think about alternative um, you know, ways of consuming something that tastes like meat, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vega, there's, there's oh, Plant X, sorry, as you, as you just mentioned. It's, yeah, Vega's a stock symbol, VG, that's a stock yeah, symbol. It's a, it's, a perfect, it's a perfect opportunity for these businesses whilst we're in this shift, I guess, if you want to call it, to get some market share. Uh, why not? Um, I think we're saying, I mean, oat milk, I think there's a company called Oatly as well, or Oatly. I just, I was reading another thing like oat milk sales are up 447% in the last year. So people are obviously starting to get into. But investors this. haven't really caught on though, have they, Lee? No. Investors are lagging. Small cap investors are lagging. Yeah, the very good massive food growth company, that's taken place. Well, the very good food company, VERY, like that's obviously been probably one of the, the bigger names here in Canada that has, uh, you know, done quite well. I think they're a four or, four or $5 stock or something. They've raised a, a lot of money as well. Uh, they sort of started to get going beginning of COVID last year. And, you know, they've, they've raised a lot of capital. And I'm sure that in a year or two's time, I mean, they're going into the US. In a year or two's time, you'll start to see some of these names or the real names sort of pop up. I'm, I'm, I mean, we haven't really seen any m a activity happened yet either too so like we like we see in canada early somewhere. yeah still early, early. that's going to happen uh, no it is it's it's, it's early I'm, I'm, i mean there's there's lots of different sort of macro reasons for this trend to continue to um, accelerate i just think that you know people are becoming a lot more aware of because of this last year and a half um the supply issue and and how it can get impacted uh i mean meat Prices have gone up as well, even though people might not see it. But you know, a couple of percent here and there, um, every time you go into the uh, into the grocery store, adds up. People are becoming a lot more aware of what they're 
their residual income is going to be to be able to spend. So I think we're very, very early. I mean, it's early, early, but a good time, not so early that you're going to be waiting around. Early as in there's still enough time to catch a massive move. And one more, one more company I want to talk about because we've got about two minutes left. Yeah, is uh, Bush Foods Veggie Vegi. I don't know if you know about these guys, but just another example of unbelievable what they do. They've taken comfort food, you know, and made that plant based, which is unbelievable. They got like like veggie bolognese and sloppy joes and some unbelievable flavors that they've they've made plant based, so you're not feeling guilty about eating anymore. And look at this; they've got an, uh, they've got a supply lines with Beyond Meat. They've expanded to 400 stores in less than 18 months. Yeah, it's a lot. And they're award-winning. So there's an example of a company that, of another plant-based foods company that is just growing under the noses of everybody, uh, all small cap investors. And I got it. listen, I want to make sure everyone knows, Vega, Veggie, they're both clients of Agoracom. We're not making any kind of, you know, recommendations, but these are the facts, right? Plant, uh, plant X is zero to $2 million dollars from in, in a year, $2 million run rate per month. And uh, and Veggie, which is Bush Foods, which is expand to 400 stores. Lee, in your, and we'll finish off with this, in your experience, how difficult is it for anybody to go from zero to 400 stores of, of some pretty major companies like Whole Foods, Safeway, Metro, that's, IGA that's in 18 months? No, that's not easy. That that's That's good going. That's very good going there. I mean, if you're, if you're if you're if you're bringing a product to market in a new category like this, I mean, there's a, that whole education experience that you've got to give retailers and consumers too, right? So, I mean, that that's a that's a very good number. I, I, I haven't I need to do a little bit more work on this on on that name for sure. But yeah, and I, I got to do work on Organic Garage because that's well, a, yeah, great yeah, great names. I know we've got to finish up. So, like, there's a few other ways that I'm looking at it too. If, if it's a, if it's you know if it means anything for the audience, but you know. There's obviously the, the meat and dairy alternative space, if we, which we could call these products. But then, you know, there's, there's lab-grown meat and seafood stuff now too. There's like allergy prevention. There's sugar, the sugar alternative market. Um, there's the nutrition enhancement market. There's, you know, these, there's even fermented proteins and algae proteins. Like the, the actual... You know, let's call it the food tech startup world is getting quite quite large now, and I think that um, there's other ways to play it as well. I think the tech side of of actually the, the the production of these meat and seafood alternatives is 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 also quite exciting because without that, how do you get the product? You know, to the, like these companies, so they've got they've got outfits that sit behind them, and there is a lot of different like this lab grown meat and seafood vertical within the categories is it's big business i, I watched something on netflix on it uh, a couple of weeks ago it's just big business so. I, I, i'm, I'm going to uh, wrap it up by saying this remember that mcdonald's when it came along that spurred fast food for the latter half of the 20th century i mean nobody saw that coming that was a mega trend they changed everything i think plant-based foods and what we're seeing today are going to be part of a mega trend for the next 50 years because fast food convenience food was the massive trend that went from zero to billions and billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars i think we're at you know we're going to sell this interview as nft one day 
Because people are going to look back and say, Lee and George were talking about it back in the fall of 2021, that plant-based foods is the next monster trend in food that's going to last a decade. It's going to last two decades easily. Uh, and I'm glad we had a chance to kind of touch on it, Lee. Obviously, there's so much more we can talk about. But, uh, you know, thanks for joining us as always to kind of shed light your perspective and uh, letting us know about Organic Garage, OG for everybody at home. Uh, to do their own research, right? None of us, neither Lee or myself are telling you what to buy. We're just telling you what to look at. And for us, you've got Vega, which is Plant X. You've got VEGA and VEGI, which is Boosh Foods. Uh, yeah. Go take a hard look at them uh, and you can check them out on Agoracom because the numbers don't lie. Thanks a lot, Lee. Thanks for joining us, buddy. No worries. Have a good Thanksgiving, mate. For everyone at home, hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us. And if you want, for those of you who are discovering Lee for the first time, make sure you connect with them because you can see his social media accounts right there on the screen on, on, uh, on LinkedIn, Lee Hughes. You can see his name right there. And on Twitter, at, do I got it right? At Lee Hughes? Lee N. Hughes. Lee N. Okay, that's what <laughs> I got to get these readers uh, jacked up a little bit. But make sure you follow Lee, guys. He was first on so many stories that today everyone's celebrating, but he was first on so many of them. So if he's telling you to take a close look at plant-based foods, do your due diligence, and hopefully the experts have put you on to a next great trend. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, this video is over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and then leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our channel so you don't ever miss another great Agoracom Small Cap video.